That's a dreadful ball and Chelsea could be in here with Goff who goes for goal and scores! Finds the back of the net! Henri! What a goal! Inspiration for Arsenal from Thierry Henri! Miller, lovely cushion header for The Ghost Goal Podcast. Arsenal managed to salvage a 2-2 draw after falling behind two goals to Tottenham at the Emirates on Sunday. Meanwhile, Chelsea and Manchester United suffered damaging draws from winning positions against relegation candidates Sheffield United and Southampton. Meanwhile, Manchester City and Liverpool maintained their dominance, but we saw a glimpse behind the curtain as Sadio Mane raged at teammate Mohamed Salah upon being taken off on Saturday. We're going to talk about all that, plus a little more, here on the Ghost Goal Podcast Recap Show. I'm Alex, here with Javier. Andrew was uh, out today. I feel like we, we might want to have him in, because uh, because there was... As I just mentioned, an interesting little, little an incident. spat. Yeah, yeah. So, do we want to start there and talk about? Uh, I mean, they, they got the result though, so I don't. I think people are making out a lot, a lot more of it than. I kind of like seeing that. I kind of like seeing a player get angry when like the teammate doesn't give him the easy pass, and you know, yeah, don't don't let him off the hook easily. But I don't think it's going to be like division in the ranks. I think it was three nil though. I think it was at three nil. You know, it shouldn't shouldn't matter that much. Like Burnley weren't coming back from 3-0 down at that point in the game. I think it's something to keep an eye on. I mean, I haven't mentioned the the final score yet, but uh, Liverpool did beat Burnley 3-0. And I wasn't originally going to have this game in the running order uh, or, until that uh, incident happened near the end of the game. I wasn't going to have the Liverpool or Manchester City games in it because at this point it's almost – getting boring <laughs> covering them week to week because you you're feel so like fucking just, consistent yeah you know line them up it's like knock them down that's just all, the, this, just all they're doing and it's like it's a continuation of last year but there's just so many more like interesting storylines and questions to be asked about those four through six teams that I, I feel like we in general we all kind of like push our attention towards those teams that have potential but haven't realized it yet while we've got Liverpool and Manchester City just summing up what it means to be dominant in the Premier League, even like especially to start a season, this was a really professional performance from Liverpool. Uh, I'll give them a bit of luck for that uh, that first goal, the Chris Wood own goal that uh, Trent Alexander-Arnold was looked like he was trying to play in a cross and it dinked off Chris Wood and went into the top left corner. So uh, that got Liverpool started a couple minutes later. Uh, the quick counterattack and Firmino sets up Mane for the 2-0 lead. And eventually Firmino uh, shows up himself and puts the game completely to bed at, at 3-0. Uh, and the Burnley Burnley tested Liverpool. There were, there were some threats, but there's nothing really like significant uh, enough over a long period of time to like get anything out of the game. And they just made too many mistakes. And even one or two mistakes for a team like Burnley against uh, the, like the top draw teams in the Premier League, it's, it's usually going to be too much even at home. Did you manage to catch this game? Are you busy? No, I did not. I did not watch it. I just saw the highlights later. I mean, we we all kind of knew Liverpool were going to win it, so I wasn't too uh, too worried about the result for them. But I mean, it had been bandied about a couple times before uh, before going into this game that uh, Jurgen Klopp's Liverpool had never kept a clean sheet against Burnley when they played them. They usually beat them, uh, as I'm sure Andrew has mentioned to us plenty of times. But 
it's usually not an easy game for Liverpool either. So for them to just have it be basically dispatch Burnley like so easy and so easily and so uh, like without really any discussion other than that Mane Salah incident, uh, it's it's impressive. But really, that Mane Salah incident was like the main highlight of the week, of the of, of both the Liverpool and Manchester City games. Uh, Manchester City themselves, I didn't mention yet, but they won four 0 against Brighton. So as I mentioned, with those four through six teams, they made up the bulk of the uh, mouthwatering results this weekend. But let's let's start true and proper with uh, Arsenal and Tottenham, the North London derby, which was on uh, Sunday morning here in the States. It finished 2-2. Christian Eriksen scored in the 10th minute. Harry Kane uh, scored a penalty in the 40th minute uh, before uh, Alex Lacazette scored just before halftime, which gained uh, Arsenal plenty of momentum going into the second half. And while Aubameyang did score in the 71st minute to bring the game level, they weren't eventually able to find that winner. It felt like it was coming, don't you think? Like I feel like most neutrals would agree that that second half was mostly Arsenal-dominated until Spurs found a second win with maybe like five or six minutes left and tried to push for a winner on the counter themselves. Uh, we, Of course, you were disappointed to not get the win, but can you find like positives in the fact that you guys did manage to recover from a pretty horrific first half and get something out of the game? Yeah, I mean, considering that we had two pretty mentally crippling mistakes just you know the first one that there was it was a series of three or four errors um i think jaco was going up for a header and then for some reason socrates like goes up for the same header and ends up missing the ball completely which leaves him out of position um and leaves harry kane to run through and or i'm sorry it was son right to run through and then get a shot off on goal um, which then David Luiz should have been tracking. Um, it was Socrates that was tr- should have been tracking Ericsson. Right, uh, but but I'm saying he should have been David Luiz should have been closer to Son, and then Pop, Papa after already missing the header, he he was running back, was very very close to Ericsson and just lets him go on the goal, doesn't track him, and just points at him instead of tracking him. And yeah, just a, a Leno then doesn't make a great save. He could have done better as well. So it was like four or five errors just on that first goal that I saw that and was like, Oh, that is, that is really bad. And then, you know, after that, we still, we, we'd been in control up to that point playing well. Tottenham had looked dangerous on the counter, but you know, it, it always felt like we had a goal coming. And then when we concede a penalty, it was just a, you know, punch in the gut. It was just like, what the, like this, this, it didn't feel like it was going to be our day. You know, it, it, the luck is that goal. I, I think everyone in not only the building, but everyone around the world watching that when, Lacazette just went through the Tottenham defense and just like rifled it into the top quarter of the net and just stood there staring at the Tottenham fans. That just made me think, oh, okay, like Lacazette's just going in that Thierry Henry mode of like, all right, let me grab this game by the scruff of the neck and try and drag us back into it. I think he got hurt sadly in the uh, in the second half. He oh, was uh, he was God pointing damn. at his hamstring and was uh, you know motioning to come off. I think that's why he came off. And I think. Uh, you know, Shaka was terrible this game. He he conceded the penalty. He, you know, was not very good on the ball. Kept getting dispossessed. And you know, once Ceballos came on, you could tell that Tottenham were didn't really know how to handle him, and and he was creating space all over the pitch. Which at that point, I thought, okay, you know, let's bring on someone like you know maybe Reese Nelson, uh, who can stretch the back line and take advantage of this space that was on the pitch because there was so much space for the last twenty minutes. 
And now instead of Naomi brings on Henrik Mkhitaryan, who, you know, ends up leaving the club the next day. And, you know, he had a, a terrible performance, couldn't get a first touch right, couldn't, you know, ended up in a bunch of good positions that if a player like Reese Nelson had been in, you know, I, I think we would have had a, a much better position or, or even, you know, Martinelli, just two young, fast wingers who can who can attack and run into space instead of Mkhitaryan, who, who, who can't do any of the above. So, yeah, it who was since uh, left the club. It was a frustrating uh, evening. Even though we came back, it felt like we should have definitely won. Um, we definitely did enough to win that game. It just the stupid errors cost us, and it's not something that I think is going to get out of our game anytime soon. I think it's going to take like you know Tierney, Bayadine coming back, being fully integrated into the team, and having a settled back line before we we can start completely hammering out these errors because. You know, as long as Kolasinic and Ainsley and Niles are wing backs who are not, you know, actual proper right or left backs, um, you know, they're they're both makeshift and they're both better in a back five. Um, so as long as we're playing four at the back with those two, the center backs are always going to be more error prone. Our goalie isn't going to look as good, and everything's going to be more chaotic. So, you know, I, I think there's still a lot of problems. I think there's still a lot of improvement we can make, which is encouraging too. Because you know, being able to come back against a team like Tottenham, who you know did get to a Champions League final last year, and at times this game looked really dangerous. Oh, you're giving them credit now. Uh, only when Arsenal get a result against them are you guys like, oh, uh, you know, well, uh, no, fair because to Tottenham, I have, to, I have to be League fair final. to them because They're even though they did lose against Newcastle, um, which at home is an absolutely atrocious result, and we won at Newcastle this year, so I. I I mean, in my mind, I think we're, we're, we're better than them. We're going to finish above them this year. But at the same time, did they just go to City and get an away draw? They went to Arsenal, got an away draw. I'm sure if you offered them that at any point this year and told them, you know, if you can win all your big six games at home and tie all the away ones, that's the recipe for winning a title or, you know, definitely finishing in the top four at the very least. So that's sure. that's a very good start if you I think if you had told them in their first four games you know against City and Arsenal away they you know wouldn't lose either of those games they'd probably take it you know I I doubt they obviously wouldn't want Newcastle that Newcastle loss in there if they had won that Newcastle game we'd be talking you know about them as title contenders so it's I know it's early days it's early days and obviously you don't want to put too much into these early results and put you know, too much emphasis on it and think, you know, it's the end of the world or not if you're, you know, getting all the points and looking amazing in these early games. But it's 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 definitely worth noting that these big away games, not losing them is really the key to them. And Tottenham have done that. So it's uh, it's yeah, I think it's 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 good signs for both teams. And Tottenham also have a lot of room to grow, you know, and Dembele didn't play this game and he looked good for sure. Uh, Lo Celso came on, looked OK. But I'm sure once he gets more integrated into the team, he'll look good. Deli Ali, he was shit when he came on, but I'm sure he can improve as the yeah, season goes his, on. His first game back from injury, right? Um, he hasn't had a preseason. Um, and yeah, they they have Sessignon. There's a lot of players that can come into this team and grow with Tottenham as well. So I think Tottenham fans have a lot to look forward to, and they had a pretty good summer. So yeah, well. 
the the one position we were interested in that they didn't uh, replace this summer was at right back, and it looked like they had Davidson Sanchez playing out as like a makeshift right back for a lot of this game. He played pretty and well. I saw a lot of people. He played okay. I saw a lot of people criticizing him and saying that he was getting uh, like picked on, and that, like I felt like Arsenal were definitely focusing more of their efforts like towards that uh, their Arsenal's left hand side, Tottenham's right hand side. But I felt like he did like well enough. You know, he wasn't. Uh, I mean, Arsenal still had a very good day attack wise, but I don't think it was like just his fault. Like for being played at right back, and I, I feel like he kind of proved himself like next to Juan Foyth. Like they can both maybe play that position, and obviously they have uh, Kyle Walker Peters and uh, Serge Aurier uh, still to come back from injury. Uh, yeah, but you mentioned the Ndombele injury. You mentioned Ali coming back from his injury. Uh, you mentioned like. Vertonghen having his first like full game back in the squad. Ericsson uh, was I mean, at the time it was still believed he was being shopped around and uh, the window for Europe. The rest of Europe has since closed, so it looks like he's staying. He apparently made a comment, but, being like, you know, Ericsson's a little sad right now. He uh, he he he's unhappy that he can't pick his future like in Football Manager. So right, it's, it looks like he's not uh, re-signing. Guess that's what, for Christian? Sure. Yeah, yeah, he's going to go walk, but I'm sure he's just sad that none of the teams that no one wanted he wants to pay to any money to for him want right. him. Yeah, <laughs> they would rather just wait for him to become available next year, and that's another year of his career that you know he's uh, he, he's no Eden Hazard, Javier. He's not going to play out of his mind and force his move to the to the big club. You know, that's that's what the truly great players do. Uh, <laughs> I've set myself up for so many slam dunks there, um, but. <laughs> uh, Let's move on to the other two-two of the weekend. Another uh, oh, an impressive home draw for Chelsea against Sheffield. You know, we we really struggled there. Squeaked uh, squeaked it out at the end, didn't we? But you know what? We managed not we managed not to lose. We're doing great. It was a big game. You guys got the win against Norwich. Tammy's got four goals. He scored against the Championship opposition. How excited yes, Chelsea, are you, Alex? Chelsea drew 2-2 with Sheffield United. Tammy Abraham uh, was at the double in the first half in the 19th and 43rd minute to have Chelsea up 2-0 at half. Let's be honest, you were really hype at that point. No. Come on, Javier. You've watched these games with me before. You, you know how I am. I'm very, I'm very, I'm very, I temper my expectations. Yeah, you could game. feel the, the uh, second half Chelsea like choke coming. Well, Callum Robinson scored, or Callum Robinson, sorry, should get his name right, uh, scored in the 46th minute, just like one minute into the second half to make it game on again uh, before he fizzed in across in the 89th minute that bounced off of Kurt Zuma's leg and went to the back of the goal. And uh, Chelsea ended up with a admittedly disappointing 2-2 result. I can't go into this game praising like Chelsea too much, obviously. We just drop points with, on paper, one of the worst teams in the league, and we drop points at home. Um, but it, it, I still just see a lot of signs that this is a very young team that has trouble sustaining any sort of good momentum for long periods of time. And it's it, 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 last week, I think the Norwich starting 11 was the, the youngest in 25 years that Chelsea has fielded in the Premier League since 1994. Uh, and this week was the youngest team that Chelsea have fielded ever in the Premier League. And the results showed. I mean, I actually come out of this game like even more impressed with Sheffield than I have been to start the season. And I'm not just saying that to like hype Chelsea up. We, we should have we should, should have scored two or three more times in the second half, or sorry, once or twice uh, in the second half uh, to really put that game to bed. But I mean, they, they got their slither of hope at the beginning of the second half, and then they just kept plugging away, kept plugging away down that left wing, down our right side, where Aspilicueta was just being 
beaten over and over again from the uh, the the duo of uh, Enda Stevens and I think it was uh, Jack O'Connell, the left center back, who was getting up, uh, and obviously Callum Robinson as well. So uh, they executed their game plan to perfection. We were uh, probably a bit naive, and the the young players falling off in the second half. It, it really did us in. We weren't able to keep any sort of control in the second half like we were last week against Norwich. And, and that was one of the things in the Norwich game that I was hoping was us turning a corner. But it looks like it's going to be more of this for the rest of the season. Are you ready? Yeah. Are you uh, ready to have to like have a championship type season where like all your games are like 3-2, 4-3, like, like I mean, just crazy I fucking mean, I like personally, I personally am ready for it. I don't know if my, uh, my heart is... <laughs> Like, it's just going to be going off the freaking monitor. You're the new Arsenal. uh, No, the the thing I was going to compare it to actually was Liverpool under Klopp, the the first year that Klopp came when he arrived in November, and it was still very much Brendan Rodgers' team. Uh, And pretty much for the next year and a half, uh, they obviously improved in the second year. But for that first 18 months that Klopp was manager, maybe even two years, uh, they were a wide-open attacking team that seemed pretty naive at times. We saw them overturn two-goal, sometimes even three-goal leads. Remember in, Sev- in Seville two or three years ago, they had a th- were up 3-0 and Sevilla came back and equalized in a Champions League group game. And uh, everyone just viewed it as like the the doom of Liverpool. They couldn't uh, sh- like shut their uh, shut games down defensively. And they've obviously made big signings to take care of that. But they grew as a team as well. And really learn to press with one another. And that only comes with game time. And, you know, I, it, it's if it sounds like I'm making excuses for Chelsea, it's because I am. Because this is the first time since I was a teenager that we're legitimately going into a season with no expectation of any trophies, uh, really competing with, like, the truly top teams in the Premier League. Like, last year, Chelsea were in first, I think, in, like, uh, September, October, early October. We didn't lose a game. I don't think until so. I think October. I think City were uh, were top after the second City, day of the season. The no, City rest of the year. were top. We went top for like a week or two under Sarri because we hadn't lost a game to start the season for like the first seven or eight games in the Premier League. But that, like, even then, you heard whispers from Chelsea fans like, "Oh my gosh, can we win the league?" And like, just because whenever we've gotten in those positions before, we always think to ourselves like, oh, maybe we can hold on and win the league. But this year, there's no there's no delusions of that. Most rational Chelsea fans understand that this is going to be a two or three year project and we're in game four or five of it. So um, I, I don't know what to say other than expect plenty more of this. Did you uh, manage to watch this game? Yeah, no, I did. I was... Uh... I mean, I, I I watched the first half, really, and turned it off because I thought Chelsea were going to run away with it. It looked like it was going to be an easy win for Chelsea, so I was surprised when I looked later on my phone and, you you know, you guys ended up tying the game. And I, it, was, it looked like it was a bit lucky from them. I think they only had, like, three shots on target the whole game, and they scored on one of them. The other one was an own goal, so... They, they hardly it was a pretty freak own goal. Those two goals. It was a pretty freak own goal. Like, I don't know. It just it feels like they got a bit lucky, and yeah, I mean, you guys just kind of threw away the game, and I, I, that's why I think you guys aren't going to be really in, in it for top four this year. I think, like you said, it's a young team. Um, but to counter that, uh, this is actually the youngest side um, Arsenal have ever had in the Premier League. 
this year um, that we have. Where Why are you talking about Arsenal? Well, just because uh, you were talking about young teams, and our team is extremely young. And I was talking about Chelsea's youngest team. Chelsea's youngest team ever in the Premier League. Did, like I, 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 that seems significant to me in contributing contributing why we gave up a two goal lead. That's all I mean it in the context of. I'm not trying to compare. Like Man United are playing a very young team. We'll get to them in a second. But you know, I. <laughs> You know, I, That's, but I, I was trying I, to say you can't really use this as an excuse. That's why I was saying Arsenal have the youngest squad no, you in the Premier League. You can when you take other circumstances. Like I'm not looking at that in just a vacuum. I'm looking at it from the standpoint of it makes sense why a Chelsea team at home up 2-0 against a promoted Sheffield United side would give up two goals and, and, and end up drawing the game when they had much of the better chances. It makes sense that that's the youngest team that Chelsea's ever played in the Premier League. That's all I'm. That's all I'm saying. I don't think it's an excuse. We've been playing for the most part for the majority of the Premier League's existence. We've been playing experienced, like league title winning teams that stand uh, that only focus on winning. They're not focused on like player development and young players getting better. So I mean, when you bring on Billy Gilmore, the 18 year old Scottish midfielder, making his first like full or like uh, professional debut, like ever in any team uh we brought him on at 2-1 up with eight minutes left and i mean it was an eyebrow raiser i really like the kid but for his first game i would have liked that to have been like a three or four one before we brought him on it it screams uh we're just rotating through as many players as possible to see who's good enough to stick stick in the team and and actually progress with i've said that before but uh let's use that to segue actually into united and southampton because united I think this is actually this might even be a worse result than the Chelsea draw with Sheffield United because United really weren't good for any stretches of this game. They they got the goal from Daniel yeah, James. It kind of came out of nowhere. The goal just Right, it was completely against the run of play, uh, but uh, he opened the scoring in the 10th minute and then uh, Yannick Vestergaard, the uh, big Danish center back, uh, headed uh Sunder, or Headed Southampton level. Definitely in the a deserved equalizer because they've been they've been putting sustained pressure yeah. on United the whole game. Yeah, I mean, just like that Liverpool home game where, for large spells of that, they looked like the better team. But this time, they managed to defend well enough and get the uh, the equalizer on the other end to actually get something out of the game. Uh, United were missing uh, Anthony Martial, who we uh, we knew about going into the game like might be an injury doubt. Uh, but they uh, start with Rashford, Daniel James, and. Uh, I think Juan Mata. And uh, it, it really, I mean, obviously Daniel James scored a beautiful goal. Very nice goal. Very well taken. But other than that, the, the, the front three didn't look like they were meshing very well. It, it didn't look like they had much control in midfield either. And the only area that I think that United look pretty solid at right now is on uh, defending counterattacks with Juan Bissaka and Maguire kind of sweeping up everything that's being countered back at them. Uh, yeah, you know that like at, right after they got their equalizer, like Ole Gunnar Solskjaer was like, "All right," like you could see him like get, like pointing to people on the bench. I was like, "All right," I, like, like, and then I like look at their team sheet and I was like, to "See who they bring on?" And they're bringing on like Matic and Mason Lingard. Greenwood. Those they are the two. Mason Greenwood. Yeah, but th- for like thirty minutes, he got like a big chunk of game time. Yeah, but he was the third sub. But I'm saying they brought on Matic and they brought on um, Lingard first. And Lingard's a player who hasn't scored in, you know, a year. And Matic is a defensive midfielder. And this is who they're bringing on to, like, win a game 
that they you know think that they should be winning to to make top four. So I was just kind of laughing at that, and then you know Mason Greenwood as well. I mean, this is not what Manchester United should be. Um, this isn't the type of player and caliber of player that they should be bringing on these games. You know, that's where like a Romelu Lukaku would have absolutely helped in a game like this to bring on thirty minutes of Romelu Lukaku. And yeah, Mason Greenwood, he's a fun, exciting talent, but you're not going to get top four, you know, bringing on Jesse Lingard, Mason Greenwood, and Nemanja Matic off the bench. And another year of not top four for United with results like this, it's just a continuation of, you know, basically since that PSG game. I think they've only won three games in all competitions. That's their last away win in all competitions is PSG. Away. And they've only won three games in all competitions since that PSG game. And that's that was, I believe, March well, of last year. So Yeah. Well, March of this year. March of this year, I'm sorry. But yeah, that's been it's been about four months of play now, and they've basically gotten one win a month. And yeah, it hasn't been great under Ollie. It's been a kind of continuation of their bad form. And I I don't give them the same excuses that I give Chelsea because they went and spent money on Maguire. They got Wambasaka, and I mean, it looked like they were looking for attacking talent, but they didn't sign any. And they sold Lukaku for a lot of money, and and yeah, I don't know. It feels like they only really spent net like seventy million, which for United is, I mean, it looks like they didn't really back Ole all the way. They they were like, all right, let's see what you can do with a couple of signings. See if you get us back into top four. But I don't know. It doesn't feel like this is. Uh, they're all in on Ole. They're not. They're not on the full Ole hype train. It seems like they were just a li- so, maybe a little bit guarded and and didn't fully open up the war chest for him. Because I know they have the money. The money is always there. But it feels like they they weren't ready to spend eighty or ninety million on a player like Bruno Fernandez, who you know would have pushed them for top four. Try like try like a hundred million. Right. But I, I'm I just saying. But that's the type of caliber player, and that's the type of player the signings that United did under with under Ferguson always. And, you know, they even kind of continued that. a different time that. in the transfer They tried giving it to Van Gaal and Mourinho, uh, those type of signings as well, you know. Um, and, yeah, I just I don't think that it's unreasonable to give each of their managers, you know, uh, a big signing like that. I guess Maguire was that, but, you know, Wambasaka wasn't cheap either. But, it, yeah, I don't know. It's It, it feels like... United haven't done enough. They're going to need help in January because I think they're going to struggle these next few months. And I don't know if Ole's going to be able to keep his job. I think they should keep him, but I don't know how much he motivates the players, you know? The first manager fired odds have to be swinging towards Ole. I mean, him, Javi Gracia, Steve Bruce is always going to be up there. Dean Smith from Aston Villa. Those are the ones that I've got my my eye on, at least. Uh, So what you're saying is if Ole is at the wheel, which is what the United fans were singing for months and months and months as they were playing well initially under Solskjaer. Then if he's at the wheel, then Ed Woodward, the the director of the club, he's like the the, the park or what's it, what's it called? The uh, driver's ed teacher who's sitting in the passenger seat, but he's got a brake pedal. <laughs> he's just hitting brake on right. him every time Ole's like trying to go like, all right, let's get this thing up into like 80 or 90. Ed Woodward's just like, nope, slang on the brake. He pulls out like his own wheel and starts driving the car himself. It's not joined up thinking. It's uh, it, yeah, it's, it's a pretty dire situation at United that can only really be fixed with results and uh, – uh, we'll see if the international break and getting a little bit healthier and getting uh, Martial back, see if that helps. But without him to pair with Rashford, they looked pretty they looked pretty toothless. Guendouzi replacing Pogba in the French national team squad. 
he, I don't think we talked about him enough, actually. He was the best player on the field in the North London Derby. Yeah, we didn't and talk I'm, about I'm him just, at all, really. But, uh, yeah, he we, was man of the match. We mentioned he was good. We mentioned that he wasn't Granite Shaka. How about that? <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah. But, yeah, he, he played so fantastically. And him making his getting his first call up for the French national team at 20 years old. Uh, I mean, that's a meteoric rise to this guy. I, I hope he gets some game time this next uh, couple of weeks. Cause well, he only made it because Pogba is out, you said? Yeah, he's out And hurt, in Golo. I think. And in Dombele. So he's not going to make it any normal year. He's just, well, it's just during these qualifiers. Uh, I mean, Giroud keeps making it, so maybe he falls in love with Guendouzi and uh, he does this irrational <laughs> shit where he keeps calling them up and uh, playing them over clearly better players. Block is it. <clears throat> Sorry, uh, I just had a cough. Uh. I mean, Giroud is a, a World Cup winning center forward, Javier. I don't know if you've heard, but uh, he's he's the Stefan Guivarche of that, uh, that of that France team. Uh, shout out to the '98 France team, uh, which was built very similarly. But let's move on. <laughs> we talked United Southampton. Uh, I think the only other game that really jumps off the page uh, to me this weekend was Everton beating Wolves three two. At home, we said going into this game, if Everton want to be taken seriously as like the best of the rest, uh, be mentioned in the same sentence as Wolves, this, the team they beat, as Leicester, who started the season really well, and uh, as maybe a few other teams, maybe West Ham and Bournemouth, and to start the season, Watford, those kinds of teams, uh, they had to win this game. Uh, Wolves were obviously coming off that uh, Europa League win on Thursday against Torino. It's still two more games played in the last week than uh, Everton have played. Uh, so that ended up uh, helping them out. Uh, Richarlison got a double, scoring in the fifth minute and getting the eventual winner in the 80th minute. He was uh, finally the monster that we've been kind of waiting to awaken. Yeah. Well, no, he. I feel like he's been he's been awake and at it this season. He just hasn't gotten like the proper bounces. Like he's been getting himself in dangerous positions. He just not really ha- hasn't really had the sharpness to finish them off most of the time. But uh, he just, you know, kept doing what good forwards do and get in those same positions and just hope that it works out for you. It will and, be two you know. goals in two games, two starts for Everton. Oh, OK. You're going to count the Carabao Cup. Yeah. Who, who did he score against? Who were they playing against? Like, who was it? Yeovil Town or Brentford, something like that. Brentford, OK. Yeah. He looks better on the wing than Bernard. I'll give him that. Yeah, and that's, that's you yeah, know, that's I a mean, and he also, it seems like down. he now has players like Sigurdsson moving the ball more. And Everton seemed to be holding the ball better with Iwobi than they were um, earlier this season. So I think, I mean, it, it, Everton didn't have good results before he started this game, and he got a, he got the he got them the go ahead goal, and they were ahead for a large portion of this game, and they could have killed the game off, you know, when they were. I mean, they ended up winning, but they were up two one, and and they had a lot of chances to kill the game off, and. Wolves did well to come back like they've done against many teams last year, and they showed a lot of spirit. So I think there was a lot of positives also from Wolves' side. Um, yeah, they had Wolves a few, dragged they, themselves back twice. They, they had a few they injuries to their back line as well, which um, and their midfield, you could tell like near the end of the game, like they, they were definitely dragging. So uh, you can kind of understand why Everton got the winner in the end, just because... Like you said, there was two more games they played that week. They had some injuries. Some of these players were, you know, playing, having their first appearances of the season. So, um, yeah, I think it's not not like alarm bells for Wolves, even though they haven't had the best start to the season. Um, this kind of this is kind of what happens yet. when you're, uh, you know, new to Europa and don't have the deepest squad. Uh, same thing happened to Burnley. Uh, it's happened to other teams in the past. So, 
Yeah, it's uh, and then for Everton, it looks like they're back on track, and uh, yeah, they're they're not going to be easy to play against this season if they uh, if they get rolling. Yeah, Wolves had the uh, Europa League draw uh, on uh, Friday, I believe, and they got put in a group with uh, Besiktas, uh, Braga from Portugal, and uh, Slovan Bratislava. So plenty of travel in that in that group. Uh, it's not going to be easy adding that to their uh, their schedule on Thursdays. Uh, but this is the test to see if they're one of the big boys. So we'll uh, keep an eye on that and see if they can. Uh, it, Javier, who knows? It may end up helping our teams if we play Wolves the week before a Europa League game. I mean, not you guys, because you'll be playing, or you'll be playing on Thursdays too. So I mean, you guys will be like even with them. But us, we, we might have a game on Tuesday, and then we play them on like the Saturday or Sunday, and they're tired from Thursday. It might help. Who knows? Um, but yeah, that's that's one to keep an eye on. That's a, a big result for Everton in the uh, race for uh, beating out one of Chelsea or United or Arsenal to top six. So uh, that about wraps it up for the Ghost Goal recap show. Uh, we have an international break, which we are currently at the start of. Uh, we're about to record a continental catch up for you guys. So keep an eye out for that later in the week. And then we have to schedule at some point next week. Not only the uh, return of the Premier League, the preview for that weekend, uh, but there's Champions League returning the weekend or the week, midweek after that. So uh, we've got to jump on the mics and give our picks for who we think is getting out of the groups because Champions League group stage was drawn last week. So uh, keep an eye out for pretty much just as many pods as we usually give you, (laughs) just compressed into... uh, shorter recording times but uh thank you javier for coming on you can follow us on social media at asmos92 for my twitter and instagram uh, at javierrev9 for javier's instagram and of course at ghostgoldpod on twitter and instagram and until next time see you.